Welcome, Jamsters, to the Suns Jam Session podcast. My name is John, and I'm your host of the Suns Jam Session. I'm the J and Jam, and I'm joined by the M. That's Matthew. How you doing, my friend? Hey, what's up? It's M. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, M. I'm doing good. We'd like to welcome everybody to Ask Us Anything Volume 7 here on the Suns Jam Session podcast. Why are there so many volumes? Well, because there hasn't been basketball played in like a month and a half, but it doesn't mean that we're going to stop talking sons, discussing different things that could progress this franchise, talk about the draft, or just talk about anything that you ask us. So if you're interested in submitting questions to the Ask Us Anything portion of our podcasts, or if we're doing mailbags, you can just hit us up by emailing the show, session at gmail.com. Make sure that you follow the show on Twitter at SunsJam. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. Uh, Matthew Lucy. And we are more than willing to engage with you sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Uh, this is actually going to be a really fun show that we're doing here. We're recording this on Monday, and you'll, you'll be listening to this when it comes out on Thursday. But we're actually going to be joined by Flex from Jersey. So for those of you who hop in your car after the Suns play and you're driving home from Talking Stick Resort Arena, you'll notice that Flex spends a lot of time on the, uh, the post-game show talking with Kempton and whatnot. So we're super excited for ha- to have him join us on this podcast as we navigate through some of the questions that have been provided by our listeners. Sounds like fun, right, Matthew? It sounds like fun. We do reuse these questions every now and then, so uh, just a heads up. <laughs> Not just kidding. Fresh questions for Fresh questions uh, every time. Uh, I'm going to crack open this beer, and we're going to get into Ask Us Anything, Volume 7. Let's do it. So we are super excited to welcome to the show the biggest Suns fan east of the Mississippi. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Flex. Flex, how are you doing out there on the East Coast? <laughs> My guys, man, I'm good, man. I'm good. Enjoying the uh, time with family, man, talking some Suns basketball. I had a blast with y'all the other night. So Sony right, we do it again, man. Party time. Yes, sir. That was a really good time. Last Thursday, we, uh, we got a bunch of Suns fans on a Zoom call, and we had over about 25 fans on there at one point. And it got interesting. You know, there were some yeah. people who popped in, right, Matthew, who were kind of yeah. inappropriate? <laughs> Yeah, a couple of things popped in, and uh, we got rid of them quickly, though, right? Was it quick enough? No. Yeah, I was quick. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. As quick as it could be. Yeah. But it was actually kind of fun because we ended up, I think it was, it was Flex, myself, and Daniel Duarte were on the call till about 2 in the morning our time, which is like 5 in the morning for you, Flex. I mean, <laughs> you're like a legend, dude. <laughs> oh, man, it was a rough, rough morning. I was working from home, so I was able to oh, uh, nice. dial in. And just chill out. But it was, it was rough, man. I felt it around 12 noon. I'm like, oh, man, I was a little too late. Yeah, you just <laughs> dial in and go straight to bed right after, right? That's, Is that that's how you do right. It? That's yeah. how we did <laughs> go it. Go right back that's to bed. Right back to bed, bro. Right back to bed. That's what's funny that's going on with this quarantine is you have so many people who are working from home and I know it cause my fiance works from home too. And it's hysterical seeing how like she gets up, she'll make her breakfast and I hope she's not listening to, the, to this cause then she'll like <laughs> be pissed cause I'm busting her. Like she'll log in and then she'll like kind of like lay down on the couch, put on friends and it's like a totally different pace, you yeah. know? <laughs> I, I tell you it's, 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 uh, it's crazy times, man. But, um, I tell you, I, I actually don't like it, man. It's, um, it gets very stagnant, man. It gets very, uh, you know, just, just tedious, just sitting at home looking at the same stuff. So, um, yeah, a lot of people, I got a lot of buddies of mine are like, oh, man, I wish I could just dial in from home. I'm like, no, you don't, bro. <laughs> no, no, you don't. Yeah, it, it gets, gets old after tedious. a while, man. You need yeah, to change yeah. the scenery once in a while. So that's correct. I'm tired man. of it. Well, hopefully they start opening up some more things around the city and maybe you can go sit in the park or sit in Starbucks or something and change it up just a little bit, you know? Correct, man. Correct. Can't wait to get out there with y'all, man. Get out to Arizona, man. When that happens, you know, I'm not sure when it's going to happen, but you guys are both in AZ, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Phoenix. Yeah, man. I can't wait, man. Once I get out there, I'll definitely link up with you guys and and lunch and dinner on me at least a couple times, brother. You guys been good to me. Hell yeah, we'll have a good time. And, you know, this podcast is actually going to air on Thursday. We're recording this on Monday. And by Thursday, it's supposed to be like 107 degrees. And that is not what? normal for the beginning of May. It's like 15 <laughs> no, degrees man. above, 
you know, the oh, temperature. And, and, but you know what? It's 2020. Nothing's fucking normal. So who cares? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I hear that, bro. If you, wow, 107. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so, oh, gross. But, but anyways, <laughs> we're super excited to have Flex on. Uh, again, if you're driving home from Suns games, you typically will hear him call into the show and give his opinions on what he saw. Uh, it's been a long time since we've had to hear you, Flex, because there just hasn't been any games for about a month and a half now, and it's it's sad, it's depressing, and I hope that it's all over soon because I'm jonesing for some basketball. I was telling Matthew, I was watching game, I think it was two or three of like the 94 Western Conference first round where uh, Barkley dropped 56 on the Warriors earlier today. Ooh, and it's just, Ooh, man. oh, man, I'm, I'm doing anything I can just to absorb some sports. So uh, I would like to say thank you to all the listeners who provided some questions for us to talk about. And without further ado, I think we'll pop into some of those questions. Sound good, gents? Yes, sir. Do it, dude. All right, so since Flex is new to the show, we'll let him take the first question. And this is from Straw. They emailed us at sunsjamsession at gmail.com. They said, which two Suns players that will become free agents do you guys want the Suns to bring back next year? What are you thinking, Flex? Um, that's a good one, man. Um, so here's the thing. I, I, I don't know if we're going to be able to bring them back because I – I think he might price himself out, but although with this stuff going on now, maybe I'm wrong, but um, obviously Aaron Baines. Yes, sir. Um, I would love Aaron Baines to continue to, uh, to be on his team as well as help um, DeAndre Ayton with his development. Cause uh, I do genuinely think um, the progression we've seen in Ayton on a defensive end uh, definitely has a lot to do with, uh, you know, what, what Aaron Baines brings to the table and brings to practice every day. So that's a, that's a definite, um, number one on my list is Aaron Baines. And then, uh, the second guy is actually, we, we've got a qualifying offer on, uh, on JC on, uh, Javon Carr. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I can't imagine that there's going to be, you know, too many people going crazy for Javon Carter. Um, so I, I, those are my two, man. I like Baines and, and Javon Carter. I would definitely, uh, give the qualifying offer. I think it's like $1.6 million. And for what that guy brings to the table, that's more than worth it. The guy's going to defend 94 feet and, and be a really good backup point guard. So, um, those are my two guys, everyone else, um, you know, not, not really big fans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say I disagree with you there. What are you thinking, Matthew? Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, I just I don't see these guys coming back. Carter for sure I want, but I think he's just gonna get paid. And I think Baines I know he's older, but still I want that veteran presence behind uh, DeAndre and like you said, like I think his defense. And I didn't even think about it till like right now until you said it. Probably has a lot to do with Aaron Baines. I don't know why I didn't even think about that, mm-hmm. but that's a big factor going into the next season. I would love to have that. If not, I guess what what do you guys think about Sarge though? Because Sarge do you think he'll get paid by another team or do you think the Suns should pay him? Because I want him as a backup power forward. I know he doesn't want to play backup, but I mean, if we're not able to trade him along with like a pick or I'm sorry, not trade him, but if we're not allowed to, if we're not able to trade a pick or something for like a backup power forward, would we resign Sarge? Or do you think another team's going to give him a lot of money? That's tough, man. I mean, he's not really a hot commodity on the market. Like, Baines will be a hot commodity on the market. Yeah, he and, will. And Carter's played well enough to garner some attention from other teams. So that qualifying offer will be nice. And, I, you know, if we have to pay that guy like $4 million a year, I'm, I'm down with it. I think we should. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I completely think we should because he's worth it. He's a defender. He changes the pace of the game. He can hit some big threes. Uh, but Sarge is just – he's that interesting guy who – he wants to be a starter. He's going to become a free agent. And I just don't know how much value he has on the market. He's a guy that doesn't have a very high ceiling, but he doesn't have a very low floor either. So he's definitely a guy who has value, but I don't know what that value is. Right. Yeah. I, I, to answer your question, uh, Matthew, I, I, I personally think um, that I think coming into the season, his, if, you, if you talk to him and his agent, I think they had much higher expectations for how the season would play out. And I, I think that they envisioned themselves as, you know, a nine to $12 million per year guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't see that now. I, I actually think that he's more of a mid-level guy. Um, I don't think anybody's going to throw too much at him, but I think that's beyond what we'll be willing to give. Um, I actually think the only way he comes back is if we give him the qualifying offer 
And then he just strikes out in restricted free agency and then just says, Hey, we're going to bite the bullet, come back one year on the qualifying. Mm-hmm. And I think that'd be great for us. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know exactly what his qualifying offer is. Um, I was looking at some stuff earlier, but I know it's not ridiculously high. And it's, I think his qualifying offer fits right about what he brings to the table. Um, but that guy wants to be a starter, man. And, and, you know, if it, my, I say this all the time on the post game, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, don't call it a dinosaur. It's a duck. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, I just uh, – I, I think that he's more of a backup for for what we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, totally I, think, I, I think he bet on himself this year and he kind of lost. You Correct. know, that, that's what it came down to. His qualifying offer is $4.7 million. So, I mean, it's nothing. I mean, if – That's nothing. Yeah. If, yep. If we double that and we have to pay him ten million, though, would you bring him back? It's um, a lot for a backup four. You want to go, Matthew? Or I don't want to jump yeah, on four, nobody. No, it's fine. Ahead, I'll man. just say really quickly, just um, a backup four. No, I don't think so. But also, if he does just take the qualifying offer, he comes back. He could still bet on himself again. Yeah. For the next off season, so that can I actually agree. be another motivation too. But uh, what do you think, Flex? I, I think you're right. I, I, honestly, if if I were his agent. With the pandemic, with the shortened season, mm-hmm. with the the chances that you may not be able to even show your worth over 80 games or 82 games, I actually think that there's going to be a lot of money dried up this summer. I think the cap's going to go down. I think people who had cap money are going to be surprised and they're going to have that much cap money. So I would personally want to be a free agent in 2021, not, not this year. So I, I would actually – um, work with my agent and work with the son and say, hey, listen, you know what? Let me bet on myself. Let me take the five mil for this year and then jump right back in the market in 2021. Um, I think that would be the better move for him if he's trying to get paid because I don't think he's going to get paid this summer. No, I completely agree. Yeah. And how great would that be for the Suns if we could bring Dario back knowing that you have him to come off the bench. He's, he's the hustle guy who does all the little things right. You know, he's not mm-hmm. going to be flashy. He's not going to wow you, but he'll get that board. He'll get that three-pointer. He'll make that pass. And then him developing whoever that is coming in as our new four, whether it's a rookie <laughs> and Obi Toppin, or if we go Ooh. and we get somebody else, I know I would love Obi Toppin. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, I get, oh, I get excited when I say him, you know, you I don't, do too, you, you don't know what's going to happen in the draft this year, especially with the way that the lottery pans out, but just having him for another year. And then if somebody does get injured, you can plug him right in and it just adds that depth that is so valuable in the NBA. So, but again, I think, you know, going back to the original question, you know, Aaron Baines and Javon Carter, are kind of like no-brainers. What is the likelihood you think Baines would actually come back? Uh, low. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think low. I mean, you, you know what? Um, let's not – he's a little long in the tooth. You know, let's not act mm. like he's oh, yeah. a young pup and, and he's got, you know, 10 years. His best basketball is probably behind him. Mm-hmm. So um, the real question is going to be, you know, do you want to keep bouncing around or do you want to get paid? I think somebody who's going to want to pay him is going to be a veteran team mm-hmm. um, that is uh, contending. I think he brings much more value to a veteran team that's on the cusp of winning than he does to a team that's, you know, trying to fight for a playoff spot like we are, actually. Yeah. Um, so he's more valuable to those teams. But as you know, if, if you're talking about those teams, those teams are pretty much set. That's why they're title contenders. So – um, I don't know that they're going to give him a lot of money. So it really depends. Does he want to get paid and go play for a, uh, another rebuilding team? Or does he want to take a little less money and contend? I would venture off to say if he's going to take, um, you know, if he wants to stay on a rebuilding team, stay put. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, we, we, he's, yeah. I, I, think, I think we actually maximize his value. I think he's pretty happy with uh, the transition. I think he, you know, I didn't think he was going to be a big commodity um, coming into the season, and he, I think he doubled his value as far as what I thought his expectations were. So, oh yeah, um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, I, I just don't know if he'll be willing to come back if we uh, lowball him, you know, for, you know, don't give him the money he wants. Well, Aaron Baines, if that was the last time we saw you play in a Suns uniform, <laughs> thank you. That yeah. was awesome having. Him. <laughs> it was awesome having him. This it was great. Yeah. You know, yeah, man. Yeah. You always have to have that one fan favorite who's just a badass, and that was Aaron freaking Baines this year. So, I love him. Love All right, him. so this next question confounds me. I don't even know the answer to this, so I'm relying on you guys to really carry this part of the podcast because this is such a good question. This is from Shilpad Hop Eight, who's emailed the show a couple times, and they said, "What would you want to see more, Prime Nash and Booker backcourt, or Prime Barkley and Amari frontcourt?" 
Who, Matthew? I'll let you bat. Matthew can bat me off on that one. Oh, man. So I'm going with – this was actually easier for me. I didn't have really a hard time just because Nash, for me, was my, is my favorite Suns player. Oh, yeah. And for the future, my, the best – my prediction is Booker is going to be the all-time greatest Suns player to ever retire a son. So, and he's my future favorite son. So I want my favorite sons together uh, <laughs> as much – because I, I didn't get to see Barkley really. I mean, I was too young. But obviously highlights and stuff. He was especially on the last document or the episode six of the MJ doc. Um, he looked fantastic. Of course, I mean he's one of the greatest ever. But then mm-hmm. Amari too. I don't know. I just I think you got Nash and you got Booker that are going to be the top two sons ever retire. But then you had like the the everyone was talking about the statue outside of the new arena. Yeah. And a lot of people were putting Barkley there. So then it's just like okay, should be the greatest son. So I'm just sticking with Nash and Booker because that's what I know. But what do you guys think? I, um, all right. So this is man, this is a great question, man. Uh, I was, yeah, it is. I was I was loving it. Who who asked the question? I'm sorry, what's the person's name? Oh man, it's tough. It's Shilpad Hop Eight. Shilpad Hop Eight. Great yes. question, bro. <laughs> great question. Okay. So here's my answer. I'm gonna give a I'm try to give a quick answer and then I'm going to uh throw something out there at at that person. So here's the thing. Um, if we're just talking the question, I think because of the era we're in right now, it would be super intriguing to see Steve Nash and Booker backcourt. Um, oh, I think a, a, I think a Steve Nash and Booker backcourt playing in today's era with today's rules, today's tempo, today's pace, um, allowing Steve Nash to take more shots, uh, which we I think he went publicly and said if the seven second or less Suns let him shoot more, um, he probably would, he probably should have done more shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think a Nash uh, Booker backcourt is as good or as as lethal as a Curry Thompson backcourt um, in this era. So I, I would love that. Um, I think an Amari Barkley frontcourt, and I saw both of them. Um, I, I don't like it as much because what people don't realize is Charles Barkley was extremely ball dominant, even yes. though he played in the post. Uh, he handled the ball a lot. He did a lot of isolation, and he dominated the tempo of the game as far as in the post. I mean, it was crazy how much we fed him in the post. Yeah. I think Amari would get lost in that situation, and we wouldn't maximize Amari's true potential next to Barkley. So I think, like Matthew was saying, uh, Booker-Nash would be the better um, combo. But my last thing I'm going to say before you go to, to John is, to the person who asked that question, um, here's, here's what I would really like to say is, what about Prime Booker with Prime Nash? I mean, Prime Nash or Prime Barkley? Let's take Amari out of it. If that were the question, I would love to see Booker and Barkley together. Because oh, I think yeah, that would be, be great. unreal. So, yeah. so that's my only thing about that question is I'm looking at the question. I'm like, man, let's take Amari out of that. And yeah. Let's just say Booker with Nash or, or Barkley. And that'd be crazy, man. Well, this is tough. Cause like you guys are zigging. So like naturally I want to zag, <laughs> you know, it's uh, and, but you're dead right flex. Cause again, I was watching that game today and Barkley had 36 points. I think he had 32 in the first half and it was all low post. It was yeah. Kevin Johnson bringing the ball up, feeding Barkley in the post and everyone else just going to the other side of the court. And I don't see how Amari, whether it's the basketball of the 90s and Amari's playing in Barkley's era, or if Barkley's playing in the Steve Nash seven seconds or less era, how Amari becomes the dominant person that he is. Because if you have Nash or you have a point guard who's trying to direct both of those guys, you know, Barkley's going to win because he's just more talented. You know, he's going to be hitting the boards. It's going to, the spacing just would be really, really bad. So... I and they're not even the better looking backcourt or front court of the two, you know. So it's like Nash and Booker better looking. So I think it's clear that it's Nash and yeah. it's and it's Booker on that one. But Booker and Barkley, that would be yeah. that would be fun to watch. Holy Toledo. Ooh, Interesting too. I wonder what Nash and Amari would look like together, right? I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, you got Nash and Barkley future are actually already Hall of Famers, and then Booker's probably more of a future Hall of Famer than Amari, right? Because Amari, yeah. He's probably yeah. not going to be a Hall of Famer. No. But I think Booker no. has a better chance of being a Hall of Famer for Mari. So either one of those Absolutely. three together. So one thing that you guys mentioned was you were talking about Barkley and the statue. And I know that 
that is a an article that came out on Bright Side of the Sun, and they're saying how when they re uh, imagine the new arena, that they should put Barkley out front. You guys both think that's correct, huh? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if you guys think so, then I agree. <laughs> See, I, I, you know, I, I don't. don't. Know. I, and I, 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 I want someone that's been there longer. Yeah, and that, that's that has my thing. more impact. But I mean, he's the but, best we got, though, right? Well, I mean, if you look Other at the, than to- Jerry if you look at the, to- the totality of his career, Barkley's the best guy to ever put on the uniform because of what he did mm-hmm. in his career. But he only played four years with Phoenix, and they were two really, really good years and a couple years where, you know, he was kind of – his back was starting to fall apart. He was a little bit injured yeah. a little bit more. So I don't know if he deserves a statue in front of Taco Stick Resort Arena. Oh, you know? man. Yeah. Ooh, I, I man. just, you know. I All right, John. Okay. Way to, get it, way to heat it up here, baby. I like it. You know, I love Charles. I do. But I don't think that he necessitates a statue. I mean, he's, he wasn't a career son. We never won a championship with him. He got us to a finals, yes. But, I mean, if we're going based on that, I mean, shouldn't Alvin Adams have a freaking statue out there? He got us to a finals yeah. and played a long time with the Phoenix Suns. Great and point. Actually had a lot more success with them. So, you know, in my opinion – if you are to, if you had to put a statue out there, I say give it to Al McCoy. Oh, oh boy, yeah, Ooh, yeah. Man. Shazam! I'm on yeah. fire. Hey, you know what, man? I I can't <laughs> argue with absolutely anything you said. You I, you I mean, you're right on on every point. Here's my only rebuttal, right? If let's just just for sake of you know we're doing the show, so we play those out. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, so Charles Barkley, um. He played what five seasons? Was it? I think it was. Was it five or I think four? It was, it was four. It was ninety-two. Four seasons. Okay, yeah. so, four and a half, right? Okay. Right, something or yeah. something like that. Right. So, 92, 93, first year he comes. Um, Sixty-two and twenty wins MVP, takes us to the finals. Mm-hmm. Year two, um, we're game seven away from probably being champs. Yes, and we lost to the champs, the Houston Rockets, and yeah. then following year we're up three-one. And yep. if we beat the Rockets, probably. so this was three consecutive years of absolute unequivocal championship basketball. Um, and we lost to the champion three years in a row. We lost to Mike and we lost to Dream twice. Um, what I will say about this is that I, I w- I've been a Suns fan since before Barkley got there. So mm-hmm. um, I think I go back to 88 is when I really started liking the Suns. And um, I got to say, man, that the reason why I give Charles a statue is because um, what Charles Barkley brought to the city of Phoenix and the energy that was the Charles Barkley era, um, I, I don't think we're ever going to see something like that in the Valley again. No, I, I right. just don't. You know what I mean? Um, the, you know, he was a dream teamer. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, uh, I mean, multiple time all-star, all NBA, um, MVP. I mean, you can make the argument that, you know, uh, he could have, you want to argue the Michael Jordan thing. I mean, for a couple of years, he might've been the best player in the league with the Phoenix Suns. So I know it was short, but Jim Brown, he played eight years and they think he's the greatest ever. Right. So, <laughs> True. But I'll you tell you, so, I'll tell you one thing that Barkley was not. He yeah. was not a role model. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> and I love him for it. But I mean, all right, so I'll, I'll counterpoint that. I mean, then why not Steve Nash? Nash, the 05, 06, 07 Suns, those were three consecutive years where we were yeah. championship level basketball and we just hit hard luck. And, you know, Joe, jo- we're Joe Johnson injury away from potentially winning the finals. We're Amari and uh, Dial away from potentially winning the finals. And then even in the, the, the season in between, if Rajah Bell doesn't tear his, uh, Left calf muscle yep. against the Mavs, we potentially. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe we should just put Barkley and Nash out there, make everybody happy, and or just say no and put Al McCoy. I'm voting McCoy. I, I like what you said. Listen, here's my thing. If, if I'm sorry, Matthew, you want you want to jump in? No, I was I was waiting for you, dude. You're fine. No, I mean, you, you know what? <laughs> I'm 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 gonna be honest. I think you hit it on the nose, John. Listen, here's here's the end of the whole debate. They both got MVPs. Put them both up there. Well, if you exactly. want an MVP, yeah. if you want a league MVP for the Phoenix Suns, then you should probably have something out there. Yeah, um, you can have two of them. I right. Like yeah. I mean, Lakers got like five of them, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but they've also won how many championships? <laughs> <laughs> you know, th- and, right. and that's yeah. what this comes back to. You know, I don't like to see statues. I I, I love honoring the Suns, and that's what the Ring of Honor is for. 
statues in front of a stadium, that's special. I mean, that is for all time kind of thing. You know, Jordan's the only one who's over there in front of Chicago. You go to different stadiums throughout uh, different sports, and the guys who are out front are the champions or the guys who pioneered the franchise. You know, whereas I feel like Al McCoy could fit into that because he's been here the whole time. And again, yeah. Barkley, Nash, both amazing contributors to this franchise and what they did. But I don't know if their contributions necessitate a statue to them. Also, um, so if you're – oh, sorry. If you're, if, you're, if you're walking up to the stadium, you see these statues. And, like, let's just say in the future, like, I have a kid. And he's like, who's that? And I'm like, Steve Nash. And he's like, was he good? I'm like, oh, he was great. Two-time MVP. Same thing with Barkley. If he's out there – you guys walk up and someone's like, how was this? Was he great or what? Like if they don't know if they're younger, it's like, yeah, this guy turned the whole franchise around. So they have mm-hmm. like, if they're out there and we see them, it's not like everyone's going to be like, eh, why is he out there? Like <laughs> he didn't do anything. These are both great players. So I like, I like the idea of putting both out there. And then Al McCoy. Yeah, of course. Everyone forgets. I feel like about Al McCoy. Um, but I mean, I think about him all the time. I, I would, I would rather have him like dubbed over I love EJ so much, but I look, I would rather have him dubbed over like on what I'm watching on national TV than anybody else. So all three of them. Let's do all three of them. Is I, uh, I went to the, I was at the game when Al McCoy got inducted into the sun's ring of honor. They brought Charles Barkley out and he just talked about himself the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. Al McCoy for the win. That's Uh, Al McCoy, man. I, I met him multiple times. Um, I met Al McCoy for the first time in a bathroom. And oh, nice. I swear, I swear to God, it's a true story. This is a uh, uh, man. This had to be 2005. We had Shaq, so I can't Not remember years. Yeah, something like it was Shaq's first year in Phoenix. Um, and I'm in the old Meadowlands in New Jersey, Suns Nets, and it's halftime. I got seats right behind the Suns bench, and I just go to the bathroom and I turn to the right. Al McCoy's washing his hand right next to me, bro. <laughs> no one knew who he was. We're in New Jersey, remember? No one knows Al McCoy in New Jersey. And I saw him in the bathroom. I'm like, Al Shazam, and he's like, Shazam. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you gotta sign my hat. I had the hat in my closet. That's awesome. And then, yeah, and then over the years, I've met him multiple times because you guys know uh, Tim Kemp is my guy, and he did yes, the show, sir. so. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. So he was tinkling the twines. Said it. Um, <laughs> a bad son's joke. It's a bad son's joke. Don't laugh at that. All right. So our next question is from Arian School, and he says, "What can we expect from the super athletic Jalen LeCue, the dude who came out of high school in 2019 and played for the Suns G League team this season? What do you guys think? What can we expect for him next season?" Um, me first, or Matt? yeah, sure, go for it. Your turn. All right. Jalen LeCue. Um, I've seen him a lot. I've seen him in high school. Uh, good ball player. Listen, Jalen LeCue is boom or bust. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. He's a boom or bust guy. Um, I, like to, I like to compare him to a guy that's in the league right now. And, and uh, you guys know Anthony Simons from the Blazers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a guy that he reminds me of. Um, ironically, they both went to AMG Academy. Um, Jalen LeCue is a jump shot away from being a legitimate rotational guard in the NBA. I don't know if he's a star. If that, his athleticism is off the chart. Man. Yeah. I'm talking about this kid is lightning, lightning in a bottle. Think, uh, you know, Derek Jones Jr. in a point guard's body. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, and honestly, I think if we're talking about like where he can be, I mean, Derrick Jones Jr. has become a pretty damn good basketball player considering when he was with the Suns, all he could do was dunk. Yeah. So he's very true. Very true. You know, he worked on his game and to his credit, he's gotten better and he's an intricate part of what they're doing in Miami. So um, I think two, three years down the line when he puts a little bit more weight on and he gets his jump shot a little more consistent, I think Jane LeCue could have a, a future as a pretty damn good role player for the Phoenix Suns. I just don't know that he's ready to be that guy that, you know, we got to go crazy about. It's going to take yeah. a little while. I think he's a so three, about three years away. He, he won't be on the team, basically, whenever he, you know, exactly. just makes, like makes, an impact, when makes an impact on a team. Uh, the thing is, like, I was thinking, I'm like, so he's a jump shot away. That, I think that's, like, a lot for the guys coming to the NBA now. It's like their jump shot. So I was, like, going to ask the question, like, what – what is it that these players don't, why don't they have like a good jump shot? Is it because they're coming in so young and they have to really like just hone in on like their one craft 
like make it perf- perfect, like to stand out from the others. And then they don't have time to work on the jump shot. And then they just eventually have it in the NBA. I just, well, like, what do you guys think is like the biggest reason for that? Because I feel like every guy that's turning into an all-star besides like, you know, um, Trey Young, like they don't have jump shots. Well, I feel crazy. I feel like in the modern era that we live in, especially if you're looking at like Jalen LeCue, he's like what, like six foot, six one. He's a tiny guy, but he can fly. So he's a guy who gained notoriety for throwing down savage jams. You know, he's throwing that shit on Instagram. You know, he's getting national recognition via YouTube for that. So that's what he's going to continue to work on is just making sure that he has the ability to go into the, to the lane and just posterize guys. So instead of dedicating time to sitting in the gym for two hours, just working on, you know, 16 footers, or even trying to, you know, get a three ball down. Cause right now it's boomer bust. He's, either guys are deadly from three or they can't shoot at all. And I yeah. feel like that's kind of a factor is kind of the modern uh, times that we live in and the accessibility with social media, people are trying to do the, the, the fancy sexy highlight and is getting as many likes as they can in an effort to yeah. just make themselves feel better inside. Uh, yeah, man, I agree. You, you know what, Matthew? So, I, I coach, I'm the athletic director at a program in St. Peter's out here in New Jersey. And um, um, I, I can say this, man, I, and I saw Jalen on the circuit in New Jersey. And I think a, a big part of the problem that we're having with the kids nowadays is the AAU circuit. Clear as yeah. day. That's, that's the end all be all for me. Here's what happened. So uh, I'll coach a kid in high school and I got him for 25 games of a high school season. He's going to play another 75 games in that calendar year. And they're going to all be AAU games. And the difference is, is that of those 75 games, there's going to be uh, six different coaches for various different teams mm-hmm. all over the country. So what happens is, is, you know, these guys are going into a system. They're having a two-day camp. And they're going out to a tournament in Las Vegas. And they're saying, let's run and gun. Let's dunk. Let's run. Let's, you know, and it's just hectic basketball. It's not fundamental basketball no more. So these kids are just running, they're running around and using the athleticism and everybody's loving them, you know, and the problem is, is everything that glitters ain't gold. And somebody has to tell these kids, hey man, listen, you can get away with your athleticism and your 44 inch vertical leap and the speed and your, you know, some of those in- intricate things that you can do at an AAU level with high school kids. But when you get to the next level, man, um, they're able to pick you apart. They watch tape. These are the best of the best, man. So they're going to find what you're good. You know, I always tell kids when I coach them, I go, listen, you, you got your A game, you got your B game, and then you got your C game. And at, at the NBA level, they're going to take A and B away. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to make C as good as A. And that's what separates the great ones from the ones that aren't. And Jay and LeCue is, is in that boat, man. He's got, he's got all the tools. He's got a bag full of tools. Yeah. But the main tool is a jump shot. And – that's the hardest one to get, man. It's incredibly hard to be a good shooter, man. Well, it's going to be tough because, again, you know, there's a line starting in front of him for that position. You know, you got Ricky Rubio for the next two years. We're big fans of Javon Carter. We want him back next year. Elliot Kobo's still hanging around, lurking in the darkness just to annoy everybody. And then every <laughs> Suns fan I know for some reason wants a point guard in the draft. You know, they see uh, Killian Hayes and they see Tyrese Halliburton and they're like, oh, these are guys that we want as a part of this team because for some reason the casual Suns fan still doesn't realize how good Ricky Rubio is. They just think that it's always point guard driven because we don't have a perennial all-star at point guard. You know, we're used to Jason Kidd, Kevin Johnson, Steve Nash. So when you have Ricky Rubio playing point, they're just kind of like, Oh no, we need somebody better. So in order yeah, for, yeah. in order for Jalen Lacuta even break through with the Suns, it's going to take a lot of improvement. And I hope that during this quarantine time, he's finding himself a court and he's just shooting Jays, man. Cause I'd love to see the kid come up, man. I mean, he's got the athleticism. He'd be really fun to watch if he could put it all together. But one thing we haven't talked about with him is what do you guys think of his defensive ability? Cause I've watched him play some Northern Arizona Suns games and, even at that level, G League level, it doesn't look like it's very uh, proficient. <laughs> well, that that's with anybody, too. I feel like just like the jump shot thing, a lot of players, unless they're just like defense only, like a Mikel Bridges or who's uh, Marquise Thibault. Is it Marquise Thibault? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah like unless yeah, they're Thibault's like def- nice. Thibault's really good, but he's he's defense. So I feel like a lot of players, especially point guards now, I feel like they don't play defense, do they? 
like even Rubio, he comes into the team. He's like he's a good known as a good defender, but is he really that that much better than what we had before defensively? So I I just right. I, the whole defensive thing for me, I don't really look at it as a big deal. I'm like if if this is gonna be the worst defensive backcourt ever, but they can shoot the ball, then hell yeah, I'm all in for that. <laughs> I just I don't really look at defense that way unless if especially if we got Mikel on the team. If Mikel's the starter at the right. three. If and we Aiden. have him to lock stuff down and Aiton improving, then that's fine. But for guards, I don't really care about it too much. But I agree. Um, I mean, to answer your question, John, I think uh, I think you're right. Your your observations are right. When you see him in the G League, um, he he gambles a lot, mm-hmm. and I think that's the biggest part of what he's doing in the G League right now. He's still playing with that high school mentality that. I can gamble and I'm better and I'm, I'm so much better than everyone else that even if I gamble, I can recover. And he's finding out that that's not the case. Um, so I don't think he's terrible on defense. I think he's got, I, I, like I said, I saw him in high school. I think he's got the tools to be a plus defender or at least a, a league average defender at his position. Um, I think a lot of his stuff is uh, gambling to make that highlight play. He's so used to – he's been living in that world yeah. of – so he, he gambles a little bit. I think his off-ball, he, he, loses, he loses his attention a little bit here and there. But um, I think he can, he can be okay defensively if he works at it. But like I said, I think he's two, three years away. Okay. Well, there you go. You heard it here first. Uh, whoever has asked that question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's it for the listeners' questions. Um, Flex, do you have any questions? for the Suns Jam Session team. <laughs> hey, man, listen, I, I know you guys are doing a documentary thing, man, and, and uh, I'm, 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 I'm loving this, this, this MJ documentary, man. I'm, I'm going crazy with it, though. So um, what, what did you guys think about these last two episodes, man? Because I, I, before, I, before I let you guys answer that, you know where I'm at. I'm like on the island by myself saying, hey, this documentary is making me feel like he's not the GOAT. I, I know he's the GOAT. <laughs> You're going that way, huh? <laughs> yeah. I know he's – Flex is zagging the, on this one. <laughs> oh, man. I know he's the GOAT, but but there's some things that are jumping out at me, man. That I, but, so what, what did you guys think, man? I mean, how did you feel after watching these last two? I know, I know you guys got a show about that, so I don't want to – no, that's fine. Um, I've honestly thought they gotten better. Uh, I, I've been saying on the pod where I want more behind the scenes. Like we know a lot about the seasons uh, that they played and the championships they won. Uh, I just want more behind the scenes stuff. I don't care if it's even like the cameras looking at the players and they're drinking a beer and they're like, Hey, get out of here. Like stop filming me drinking a beard. I just love that kind of stuff. Uh, but I didn't even think about it in the way that you're thinking of it. Like, so you thought he was the best ever, like the GOAT, but now you're just like thinking like he's maybe not. What is a LeBron better? No, no, no. So, I mean, <laughs> so, so here's, here's my thing, Matthew. So I, I was fortunate enough to see Bird, Magic, Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, even a little bit of Dr. J. Okay. And um, I've never been that person that thought everything Jordan touched turned to gold. I've, I've just never felt that way. And um, I, I posed this to John when we were in the group chat. And I said, um, you know, I, if you put a gun, in my, if someone put a gun in my head right now and said, hey, you got to answer this right or I'm gonna, if you're going to die, <laughs> yeah. who's the gold? I'm going to say Michael Jordan <laughs> and, and, and cross my fingers that that guy wasn't a Laker fan. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, but um, I'm going to say Mike. But I will say this, the, the, the premise that or the idea that Michael Jordan is sitting on this pedestal, you know, this, this podium and he's at number one and the next guy is like 100 yards away. I've never fed into that. I think it's much closer. And my, my thing is, guys, and um, I'm, actually, I'm actually working on something about this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you guys some information on the, on the down low. But I'm working on something <laughs> about this. Um, and my thing is, listen, is Michael Jordan the GOAT? Or is he, the, you know, is he the greatest of all time, or is he the most fortunate of all time? And um, Ooh, that's and, a great question. <laughs> you know, and 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 so that's the project I'm working on. Is you know, I, I I'm trying to give people a, a a glimpse of what I'm seeing as far as yes, he's the goat. But then I want to play devil's advocate with myself and say, you know what, is he? You know, he's pretty fortunate, man. So. Yo, what? Like I said, ask John. I'm gonna ask you, Matthew. If if Jordan was five and one instead of six and zero, oh, 
in the championships. Would that change your idea as far as him being the GOAT? See, it's hard for me to argue because I was listening to uh, the Bill Simmons podcast and KOC was on there, one of the writers and podcasters, and he's my age. He's, I think, well, I'm 31, he's 30, but he didn't grow up around that, that time either. And I just, I, I'm watching all this footage, it's fine, but I didn't live through it. So it's, it's different. But if he was five and one, because I love LeBron, I think, I know he's a Laker now and he gets hated on and stuff and I hate the Lakers. But if he was five and one, Jordan was, and then all LeBron had to do is win two more championships with the Lakers and then be the greatest ever, I would believe he was, that he would be after getting five championships. But I think, yeah, I mean, there, there's a chance for someone else to be better if Jordan was 5-1. and one. So, yeah, that, there's a chance. And, and I'm sorry. Go ahead, John. Go ahead, oh, John. No, I'm, just, I'm over here just like my blood's boiling. I like. No, John, I, I love you, brother. I love you. Listen. <laughs> I know. This is what makes this fun, man. You know, I'm, I'm a huge uh, – I am one of the ones who thinks that everything that Jordan touched was gold. You know, I grew up <laughs> – I loved Michael Jordan – uh, I was talking to Matthew, you know, my, my golf shoes are Jordan golf shoes. They're Jordan threes. Like I, to this day, I'm a huge Jordan fan. And what I love about the doc is it's showing more of the human side. It's showing the obstacles that he had to face that weren't on the court. It's the self-isolation, you know, the fact that he mm-hmm. couldn't go out and do anything, which we all kind of knew, but now you kind of, ha- you could see it. You, and how the media was starting to ch- try to chip away at that pedestal in an effort to try to you know, make him more human and less of the God that everybody kind of portrayed him as. And that's what I really liked about kind of what the last two episodes uh, presented to us. You know, I look at the goat, it's the, it's the impossible question to answer, which is what makes it fun to debate and have podcasts and go back and forth on. Uh, But I think if he does lose one, uh, one, I hope it's to the Phoenix Suns, but two, (laughs) but two, I still think he's still the goat because he's five and one in the NBA finals. And you look at the teams that he had, you know, yes, Pippen was an all a top 50 NBA player because he had Jordan. So we never know if we never will find out if Pippen was really that good or if Jordan made him that good. And he just needed that Robin at all times, but he was drafted by the, by the bulls. So, you know, that was, that was homegrown. The, the, the problem I have with LeBron is a couple different things. One, he's what three and five in finals i think that's right so he's three and five in the finals and you know there's the debate well he got there eight times in a row it's like yeah he did i don't think it was a row i think he got seven in a row and then once no it wasn't a row was it (laughs) something like that okay something yeah but but, and and it's impressive i'm not taking anything away from lebron again the guys that we're talking about are you know clearly the creme de la creme but he also had to go through a weak eastern conference time and time again he also had to buddy up with you know ray allen and uh, uh, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and, you know, Kyrie Irving and, and, and Kevin Love. So, I mean, he brings all the, you know, he wants superstars around him. He disintegrated the franchises around him in an effort to do so. Whereas Jordan, he's fighting with the front office because the front office doesn't have faith in him. Whereas LeBron nowadays is fighting with the front office because he doesn't have faith in the front office as well. So I think I just gotcha. watch circles on that point. But uh but you look like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. In my opinion, Kareem's number two. Because Kareem, won okay. six, he won six championships, but he went to ten finals. So he's six and four in finals. He brought Milwaukee out of the doldrums and won a finals with them before going out to L.A. and just, you know, owning it for right. – I mean, he what 20 seasons in the NBA, 19 All-Stars. I mean, will that ever be matched? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's incredible you numbers, know? man. And yeah, that's why are. the – that's why the GOAT thing is always a touchy thing for me. And, and to answer Matthew's question, um, I, mine is Kobe, man. I mean, I'm, I think the closest guy is Kobe. Um, and the closest to Michael? Yeah, I, I, think the close, I think the closest to Michael is Kobe. And, and here's the thing. Here's my Kobe defense is um, Mike never had to fight with somebody to be the alpha dog. Very you know, Scotty true. Pip- Scotty mm-hmm. Pippen was willing to say, "Yo, Mike, go ahead, be Batman. I'm cool being Robin for the whole your whole career," and and that goes into my premise of fortunate. You know, it's they you're never gonna find somebody as good as Pippen willing to be Robin for that long, um, and not especially not in this era or any of the other guys. So um, I I wonder if Jordan and and Shaq would have killed each other if if Jordan had to fight with Shaq about who's better. 
And and let's be honest, uh, Kobe had to do that. Kobe, the, the first championship with the Pacers, I can actually say that Shaq was the better player. Yeah. But then when they beat the Sixers mm-hmm. and they beat the Nets, it was obvious that that was Kobe's team. And this is why they shipped Shaq away because they saw it from a, from a mile away. And then uh, and then my second point is, you know, Jordan never really had to reinvent himself. And what I mean by that is he won the first repeat, and then he he retired and he came back to the same offense with the same coach with the same sidekick. Yep. So so he didn't have to reinvent himself. He reinvented his game. You know, mm-hmm. first three he would run through people, and the last three he would hit fadeaways. Yep. <laughs> you know, he he became smarter. But again, he didn't have to reinvent himself. Kobe had to had to totally reinvent himself and win with Pau Gasol. So um you know it goes back to the five six, right? Mike's got six, Kobe's got five. And mm-hmm. and I think to to kind of shorten this real quick, I don't want to harp on this too much, but the the Michael Jordan thing goes down to, and this is probably going to be in the project I'm working on. It goes down to two games, and okay. and this is this is this is where my project gets a little funny. And I, I'm I'm interested. I'm I'm going to work with you guys. I'm going to send y'all some stuff. But so my my belief is that the the mythical thing that is Michael Jordan um, is boils down to two games. It boils down to 1993 Eastern Conference Finals Game 5 mm-hmm. against the Knicks, and it boils down to mm-hmm. 1998 Eastern Conference Finals Game 7 against the Pacers. And my... The two my great belief, games. Yes, two great games. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a thin line. You know how they say it's a thin line between love and hate? Mm-hmm. I'm saying it's a thin line between being the GOAT and not the GOAT. And those two games are exactly it. If Charles Smith, if his name was, if, if that jersey didn't say Smith yeah. and it said Barkley or yeah. Jordan or Pippen or even Ewing, oh, that's a, a foul. foul. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's a foul. It's like three and, fouls. And the, yes. And I thought it was Bulls, the greatest defensive possession, though, ever, wasn't yeah, it? That's what they said in the that, doc. That's what they told us. <laughs> yeah. Listen. They, you know, they, they, they gonna, you know, they're gonna paint it the way they're gonna paint it. But mm-hmm. Michael Jordan knows that if he was the guy on the other end, he'd be screaming till the end of the end of his days that that was a foul on him. Yep, yep. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. So it's it's two games, man. If if those games go in different directions, then Mike doesn't have a three P at all. Just think of that. He no, loses he... that Nick game. Mm-hmm. First three P doesn't happen. He loses game seven to the Pacers. Second three P doesn't happen. He's got four championships. And is he to go? So it's two games, man. Two games. But just remember, just remember, he won both those games. And he's he six in he finals, and he never played in the game seven in the NBA finals. So, so there, you, there you go, yeah. John. So you win, man. He's <laughs> <to> go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, but I, and I know we'll get plenty of feedback from our listeners uh, on that one. And, and that's what makes it fun. You know, it's you have your opinion, I have mine, and, you know, we can gr- agree to disagree. Although I will, you know, I will agree. Kobe – the way that he had to fight first against uh, Shaq and then just with the way that that Lakers team was constructed around him, it had to been so mm-hmm. tough, man. You know, it's just unbelievably yes, tough to, to get through that, especially as the NBA was really changing. It's, and it's like they said in the doc yesterday, when Kobe first came in, he's like, it was an old man's game. You know, there weren't a lot yeah. of us young guys. And then yeah. as the, as the uh, yeah. NBA progressed, he had to progress along with it with all the new stars with the Iversons and Jason Kidd in his prime, and then Dirk Nowitzki and Tim Duncan. I mean, all the different obstacles thrown his way. You know, it's impressive what yeah. the guy did. You know, I just – I wish he didn't do it at the expense of the Suns as much as he did. <laughs> so, we got any other questions we want to tackle here, boys? I'm good. I don't have any more questions, actually. All right. <laughs> well, there you go. Hey, hey, I, I, got, I, got, I, got, I got one question, guys. Yeah. I got one question. Um, and it centers around Kelly Oubre, if you guys don't mind. Oh, yeah. Um, Always. That's Matthew's so, guy. Okay. Well, yeah, <laughs> so, so here's my thing. Um, Kelly Oubre, from my understanding, is the best piece we have in any trade going forward. Agreed. If, if, we're, if we have any ambition of making any blockbuster trade or acquiring someone that's going to add to the Booker 8 and core – it's going to be at the expense of Kelly Oubre. Mm-hmm. My question to you two guys is, are you, are you more comfortable 
trading Ubre for another piece, knowing that you have Mikel Bridges that can play that role. I guess I, let me let me make this question more simpler. Um, do you think that Mikel Bridges can be what Kelly Ubre is long term? Yeah. So it, it's funny you ask that because on this podcast, whenever we start discussing what the Suns potentially could do, <laughs> if they need a four, if they need to go and make a trade, yeah. we always end up somehow trading Kelly Oubre. Because to your point, <laughs> Flex, it just makes sense. You know, his salary, yeah. the length of his contract, uh, his talent level, the appeal that he has on the open market, it's the best asset we have if we want to make that blockbuster. But I like it. Matthew nailed it right on the, on the head because he said it right away. Yes. Okay, yes. Well, before we talk about trading Kelly, we always talk about why we shouldn't trade him. Like yeah. we got to keep this guy always, but uh, <laughs> we it's going to eventually happen. It sucks. It's going to eventually happen, but I think Mikel's going to be great. And I don't even know his ceiling. I think we know Ubre's ceiling right now. I think he's mm-hmm. hit his ceiling. I think this is just him yep. and it's a lot of energy. It's great. It's great for the team, but I think Bridges is just going to be a better all around player. Um, but it, it's too bad. Okay. It's too bad, but he's going to be, probably traded maybe this offseason or before the trade deadline next year so yeah it all depends on unfortunately yeah kelly yeah because i mean we have him for on one more year i think it's 17 million and if the suns are playing great next season with him then he's not going to be traded but if they're not playing oh yeah if they're being the phoenix suns he'll be traded at the trade deadline next season (laughs) which i hope not you know yeah I I, i i love kelly i think um I think my problem with the Kelly Oubre thing is if we didn't have Mikhail, I would be all over keeping Kelly long-term, but I just feel like they, they, they play the same position. They do different things, but ultimately I don't know that we can survive with uh, a Mikhail Bridges, Kelly Oubre front court, um, which is our best lineup actually oh, yeah. right now. Yeah, best okay. lineup. Yeah, the, In the Bobra. Last, uh, eight years. It's like the best lineup yeah. we've had. Correct. So <laughs> well, it's, and it's a great lineup. What's yeah. interesting about the two is fans love Kelly Oubre, but if you mention to anybody that you're thinking, you know, hey, if we traded Bridges, like they'll kill you. Like Suns fans, yeah. like love Mikael Bridges. They don't. No, you don't talk about it a bunch because he's the defensive guy. You know, he's got he's learning to shoot the three. He's the long guy, but he's kind of like Sean Marion used to be. You know, everyone loved Nash and loved Amari, but don't you talk anything negative about Sean Marion because, you know, he's the glue that sticks it all together. So that's who Bridges has become, and I absolutely love him. And I like his jersey hey, number, I, too. Yeah. I, I, I love, I love Mikael Bridges. Hey, can I, can I throw one out there that might, might – might, I don't know if – listen, I don't know how y'all going to feel about this, but <laughs> I, I, no, I genuinely believe this. And it's not it's – it's a positive thing, but – so um, – I'm, I've always been on this island with Bridges. Um, I, I believe Bridges, if he progresses and he improves offensively, um, I think he's a poor man, Scottie Pippen, man. I could see that's, it. That's, yeah. that's always been my target for him. And if, you know, obviously Booker's never going to be Jordan. But if we're saying, you know, if we're thinking, you know, can Mikel Bridges be – Booker's Pippen, absolutely, man. I think I think that would be the ideal path is if we can say, hey, Booker's the guy and your sidekick is Mikel Bridges. He's going to be the best defender every night. He's going to do all the dirty work. He's going to be the plus defender. He's going to be the egoless guy. Yes. That's, yes. that's, that's what he does, that's man. Huge. That's, that's huge. Well, and what's huge about Bridges is you look at all the different <clears throat> players that we've drafted, drafted over the past five years – and I'd probably say, obviously, minus Booker, minus Aiton, nobody ever progresses year to year. Like, I feel like, you know, Alex Len and Dragon Bender oh, and yeah. Marquis Chris, like, they all just kind of hit this level and that's where they stayed. <laughs> yeah. Every time you see Bridges play, I feel like he looks better. He's continually to progress does, so much. Man. You throw a little meat on his bones, make him a little bit more physical to where he can start to really hit those defensive boards, and he's going to become a beast. And I really like the Scotty Pippen uh, comp. I that like would that be too, man. that would be amazing if we could get even in that ballpark. You know, if we're in the same stadium uh, parking lot oh, as Scotty Pippen, yeah, I'm happy because I mean, oh man, that was a, a move up in the draft. Nobody gave us a lot of credit for that pick, just like Cam Johnson. No one. 
and it's like the Miles Bridges. Everyone talks about Miles Bridges, not yeah. Mikael Bridges. Yeah, Mikael oh, is the one who's actually going to be in. Right. He'll be in on the all defensive team one day if he continues yeah. to progress, hey, and that's what you want. Hey, John. Hey, hey John. He, hmm. he should. He should be there this year. I, I'm gonna tell you. I, I. I honestly think there. There isn't. 15 better defenders in the NBA than Mikel Bridges. If There's he had more starts yeah. this year, he would be. If he yeah, had more exactly. opportunities. But, you, you know, Monty Williams took too long. He's a little too loyal to some guys. And he just a, took a little too long to get to that Bobra lineup that has been so successful for us at the back end of the year. I mean, what, what was the stat I saw the other day? I forget what the, the exact number is. But that lineup outscores the opposition by like 22 points every time yeah. that you put it on there. And the moment you take – either Bridges or I'm sorry, uh, Booker, Aiton or Rubio out. We're Rubio instantly, out, yeah. yeah. We're like one of the worst. We instantly become a top, uh, uh, top five worst lineup in the entire league. So, I mean, yeah. that's where we need to improve is some depth and get some guys in there who can continue to defend and score. But Bridges, he's right along with like Booker and Aiton as the guys who I say, Hey, you can't touch these guys. You know, yeah, I love, he's untouchable. I love, yeah. He's untouchable, man. I mean, that guy, especially the contract he's on, and how long we control him for like he's yeah. the guy you build around he's the he's no he's the number three guy he's alfred you can you can tell too he has <laughs> he has the focus too to get better man like he, he has yeah, alfred <laughs> yeah yeah you got batman and robin he's like alfred you know <laughs> he doesn't say much that's, perfect. You know? <laughs> that's who uh that's, that's who a good one, man. Mac- he'll he'll open up more i mean he's he's very quiet it seems like very humble which is great like I love, I love seeing that in a player, and also he, like I said, he he has a focus too, and I feel like he wants to be better, and that's really important, dude. Like I don't see that in Kelly. I think Kelly knows who he is, and do you think like Kelly would actually, does he want to learn to be better, or like improve his game anymore? Do you do you think I, that? I don't know. I, Maybe that's a I, stupid question, but no, it's not a stupid question. I, I think you know, I think Kelly Oubre is at a part in his career where. Um, I think the he is what he is at this point. Yeah, Kelly yes. Oubre is what he is. He, you know, he can improve here, there, but um, I think he's done well for himself, man. I think he's yeah. he's developed a style mm-hmm. and he has a a way of playing basketball that is um, it fits him well. But I, yeah. I don't know that he's going to improve now. Now, Mikel Bridges, oh my God, man! I mean, I, I look at this kid every time I watch tape and. I just I I don't even see him being anywhere near his ceiling. Like yes. I know I can't I mean, see it either, man. Man, the ceiling is so. I mean, you know, you guys maybe don't remember this guy as much, but I remember when Monty got hired. Monty said he reminded him of Michael Cooper. Oh yeah, the, the Lakers, Lakers, man. Correct. And yeah. and I saw Michael Cooper, man. And when I heard Monty say that. I, I mean, it's I exciting. lost my mind. Yeah, I was like, whoa, if, if we got Michael Cooper, dude, you know, uh, the NBA better watch out because Michael Cooper was a phenomenal mm-hmm. player and a yeah. huge piece of a lot of those championships oh, yeah. in LA. Oh, yeah, big time, big time. Yeah, so big time. Um, I, I love Mikel Bridges, man. And 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 listen, guys, he, he wasn't given anything, man. This kid was a red shirt at Villanova. Um, he didn't. He really didn't break out until his junior year. Jay Wright uh, is a phenomenal coach. Yeah. He comes from a phenomenal program. The kid knows how to win. He's egoless, man. This this kid just wants to win. This is the kid that when the Suns do get on the map and we do make that push for a championship, um, he's gonna be the guy that people are gonna look back and say, you know, I know we need a book. I know we need eight. But wow, if we don't have Mikael Bridges, we don't win as much. I think he's going to be that guy. So he's the one that's going to get injured in like game six of the finals. <laughs> oh, man. This is the game. Oh, it never fails oh, with the Suns, no, man. man. All right, well, there you go. Uh, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. It's McAlfred Bridges. That's what we're going to call him from now on. So. <laughs> that's good, man. That's a good uh, one, brother. Thank you. I, I, I aim to please. But, uh, well, that's it for our Ask Us Anything Volume 7 podcast. Again, huge shout-out to Flex for joining the Suns Jam Session podcast. We appreciate you. You know we're going to be doing this again sometime. So that's, that's the best part about this. Uh, great answers, great questions, great knowledge. You know, we love having you on the show. Uh, what's your Twitter handle so everyone can, who's not following you should? CruzFE13. Boom. Cruz FE13 on Twitter, Flex from Jersey. I love you guys. You guys are the best, man. I, 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 listen, I'll do this anytime you guys want. 
Um, you guys are awesome, man. I look forward to the show and I look forward to your, your upcoming episodes on the on documentary, man. Awesome. Oh, thanks, man. I, we appreciate, appreciate it. it. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And again, you can follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter at Matthew Lucy. And don't forget to subscribe to Bright Side of the Sun to get this podcast. And real quick, I want to give a shout out to Matthew Lissy because he is a, the newest contributor over at the Valley of the Suns website. So congratulations, Ooh, Matthew. Looking forward to the nice. articles yeah, we're going to put you. out there. Thank so. you. Thank you. Thank you. Ten word articles. Wait, Get bro, ready. That's huge. That's huge, Matthew. Good <laughs> thank stuff, you, thank brother. You. Thanks, man. So everybody <laughs> take care. I'm done talking. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody have a good night and stay home and love your family. Amen. Later, my brothers.